You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. at home tonight kicking off a lengthy homestand after finishing that road trip two and two and ending things off with a loss in Colorado welcome into Sportsnet today coming to live from the Doug Lacey's basement systems downtown studios for our friends at Doug Lacey's basement systems crack foundation Boeing foundation walls they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Yeah, it's back off the road and right back to it for the Calgary Flames. It's a game day. They welcome in for the first time this season the defending Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights, for Pacific Division Showdown. 6.30, Flames warm up tonight with Pat Steinberg. I'll take you right up until puck drop when Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson take over to call the Flames and the Golden Knights from the Scotiabank Saddledome and live here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. Fewest amount of home games played this season in the NHL for the Calgary Flames. They've got just seven at home compared to 14 on the road. That's going to change. This is the beginning of a six-game homestand for the team. Vegas Monday night, Dallas Thursday night. Calendar flips over to December. We'll see Vancouver, Minnesota, Carolina, and New Jersey all at the Scotiabank Saddledome as this key stretch continues for the Calgary Flames. Over the next couple of hours, we'll check in, of course, on a game day from the Flames locker room. Here from head coach Ryan Huska, Elias Lindholm, and Nazem Kadri on a game day. Mondays also mean a check-in with our pal from Sportsnet.ca. Emily Sadler is going to join us to go over another fun week of NFL football that concludes tonight with the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football. Plus, look at the opposition, the Vegas Golden Knights. 14-5-2 to start the season. Ken Belke from Sinbin Vegas going to join us. All things on the defending Stanley Cup champions. Good start to the season. They've slowed down a bit their last nine. Vegas 3-5-1 coming off a 2-0 loss to the Arizona Coyotes. So we'll check in on the Flames opposition. Quick reminder, fan feedback line always open to you here on Sportsnet today. You want to chat about anything going on in the world of sports, send us a text at 960-960. Outstanding producers on this Monday afternoon are Cam and Taylor. Let's dive right into it. It's the Flames and the Vegas Golden Knights. What can I tell you about today's matchup? Well, 
Your goaltending matchup uh, appears to be confirmed. It'll be Aiden Hill going for the Vegas Golden Knights. Calgary will counter with Jacob Markstrom, who did not play on Saturday in Vancouver. Your lines and D pairings at morning skate today. Manjapani with Lindholm and Sharon Govich. Kadri and the kids remain together. That's Kadri with Zeri and Pospisil. Huberto, Backlund, Coleman. A.J. Greer with Adam Ruzicka and Dylan Dubé. Mackenzie Weger with Rasmus Anderson. Hannafin with Tanev. Gilbert with Zadorov, And, of course, Jacob Markstrom getting the start in goal. There's been lots of talk about the Flames' power play unit. That was something practiced at morning skate today. Here are the power play units. Per our pal Pat Steinberg, host of Flames Talk and Flames Hockey here on Sportsnet 960. The power play units today looking like this. Uh, power play one saw a combination of Nazem Kadri, Jonathan Huberto, Elias Lindholm, Yegor Sharon Govich with Noah Hannafin at the point. Power play two, Backland, Manjapani, Zeri, Ruzichka, and Uyghur. So interesting to note, no Rasmus Anderson in either of those pairings. See Sharon Govich get back in the power play mix. And yes, it's been the topic. We'll hear head coach Ryan Huska talking about that uh, in a few moments when we check in with him from the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Uh, it's the biggest story around this team right now is how dreadful this power play has been. It did not get any better on the road trip, and it's something they're going to have to figure out. They have just one power play goal in their last 10 games. That is a 1-for-29 stretch. 3.4%. Not good enough. And uh, that's one of the worst power play percentages in the NHL. Going back to November 7th. That's 20 days ago. Now you might think, how is that not the worst? How is 3.4% not the worst in the NHL? Well, luckily for the Calgary Flames, the Washington Capitals have operated at a 0% stretch on the power play since November 7th. So that's the good news is it keeps you out of 32nd in the league, but not by much. The Columbus Blue Jackets sit slightly better than the Calgary Flames for 30th in power play percentage since November 7th at 3.8%. Flames have only scored multiple power play goals once this season. So the 21 games, only uh, once have they been able to execute on the power play more than once. They'll have a tough task tonight. The Vegas Golden Knights one of the best teams when it comes to penalty killing. They were two for two on Saturday in their loss against the Arizona Coyotes. That was the 14th game this season that they did not allow a power play goal from their opponents. So Vegas uh, with 14 wins on the season, you can pretty much correlate that to the success they've had on special teams. We'll see if the Flames are able to turn it around in tonight's matchup. Let's hear from the head coach, Ryan Huska, checking in. From the Flames locker room following morning skate today, his team getting set for six straight at home, starting with the defending Stanley Cup champions. His thoughts on tonight's opponent, the power play, and more as we check in with the Flames head coach on a game day. Coach, uh, the elephant in the room, what does what do you need to see more of or less of on your power play? Um, more shots, uh, more urgency to get it back, and then right back to the net again. Like I think sometimes when power play is not going well, there's a tendency to look for something better all the time when really it's just let's simplify for a little while and, and get some shot volume on our power play and make sure we're hungry to get the loose pucks rebounds. A few players have mentioned to us today that they should probably adopt that same mentality they have at 5-on-5 five five for yeah. the power play. 
Is that accurate? Is that something that they should be doing? It should always be that way. I mean, sometimes there is a tendency to rest at times a little bit with your power play. The best ones never do. They make you pay a price all the time. Um, but there can be a little mentality like we have one more guy than they do, so we have time to set things up and make plays. And, and that can go the other direction on you in a hurry. So, yes, I would say making sure they have that five-on-five -five mentality is important. Um, not just for getting the puck to the net, thinking about re-attacking, uh, but it's also retrieving pucks where you have to have people around um, the puck to have that, to be able to win it, I guess, at the end of the day to maintain possession. You've mentioned before that uh, in order for them to play fast and play that mentality that works on, on a power play, you have to show them and you have to make sure that they get those yep. concepts down. Do you feel your players have, have gotten those concepts down when it comes to power play to this point? Uh, no, I, I don't. I think our power play, it's not predictable enough to each other. And predictable is a dangerous word at times. Um, you don't want your opponent to know what you're doing all the time, but you as a power play unit should have a real good understanding of what they're trying to accomplish when it pucks on one side of the ice or the other. So that predictability is important. And I think with that, the, um, the puck speed, your foot speed, whatever you want to call it, that all has to come into play. It does seem like a lot of plays are getting killed in the neutral zone by opposing penalty killers. Mm -hmm. So in terms of, I don't know if it's drop passes or attacking more speed through the neutral zone, what maybe do you want to see differently out of your group in terms of exit, entering the opponent zone? Yeah, it's it, a lot of it is the speed. You touched on it. That's something that's important. And then it's finishing routes. You know, at, at times, like when it's not going well, you always want to look for the cute play. Just finish your routes. Make sure you come with speed and, and keep it simple. Yeah. Happy with where the five-on-five five game is at right now? Yeah, it's getting there. We'll see. I think it's getting much better. I mean, that's that's one part of our game where I think we've steadily over those first 21 games, we started the year where we were giving up a lot of chances against. A lot of them were based on our puck management. But every segment that we've played now, we're seeing that trend go the right direction. So that's important for us. And, and we're starting to see a little bit more offensive creativity coming into that as well. So, yes, the short answer would be yes. What are challenges that uh, the defending champs present tonight? Uh, well, they're the defending champs, so they know how to win. Uh, number two is they're down the middle of the ice is a strength. They have really good centermen, so we have to make sure that our guys are ready to take that on tonight. How, how much have you relied on Nazim for those tough matchups? And he's, he's had a really good season. Like, what has his play shown you of late? Uh, Naz? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Naz has been consistent, and it's it's not just the matchup. Like he, he's played with some younger players too, and I think his work ethic rubs off on on them a little bit. But um, all of our centers, I, I think I, I mentioned Vegas's guys down the middle. That's one of the strengths we feel of our team too. So it, it should be a good night for us to to see how we shake up against their group of guys. You, see, you do, sorry, you do see like Zary learning from Kadri and. and those lessons rubbing off maybe not just on the ice? Um, I, I would think so. I mean, Naz has spent a lot of time with those guys. Um, you know, he, he's good with his communication with them for sure, yeah. You guys played the fewest home games in the NHL coming into tonight. Maybe just speak, if you could, to the opportunity in front of you with this six-game homestand beginning tonight. Yeah, well, it's we've talked a lot about, hey, the most important game for us is the one that's right in front of us. So that's, that's what comes into play is we have to be at our best tonight. We have had um, a tougher stretch, if you want to call it that, with the road games that we've had. Um, but I would much rather start on the road um, like we did this year than how we started last year, for sure, where we had 9 of 10 at home. Um, so now this is opportunity for us to um, come back after a 500 road trip and make sure this is our best game of the year.
right, we saw uh, stalls for Kevin Rooney and yeah. you have an update in terms of how they're coming along? They're both progressing really well. I mean, they're, they're going to be a while still, but they're, today was the first time um, we've seen them on the ice, so they were going through some drills, skill drills this morning. So they have a long way to go yet, but everything's been positive so far. There you go. Flames head coach Ryan Huska on a game day against the Vegas Golden Knights. Lots there from the head coach. Thoughts on the power play. Simplify. Shots on goal. Interesting how he talked about the predictability of it and that he just doesn't think the group is predictable to each other. And it's an interesting way to look at it because I think most of the time you or I would hear predictable on a power play. That doesn't sound like a word you would associate with the power play, but I get where he's coming from in the fact that your teammates have to be able to play off of what you're going to do. And if they don't know where you're going with the puck or what the idea is on the power play, it's going to create a lot of confusion. And that seems like what we've seen from this group a lot this season. Also interesting to note there, you heard uh, our pal Pat Steinberg ask the question at the end there, because we did see uh, a little bit of Kevin Rooney and Jacob Pelche on the ice earlier today. Uh, an update on them progressing, but still a while away for the head coach. Uh, so it doesn't sound as though we're talking about either one of those guys back in the lineup. I know a lot of people curious and uh, wondering about uh, Jacob Pelche in particular, but uh, good that they're progressing. Still no timetable yet as to when we might see them back with the main group. Let's continue to hear from a couple of players on a game day. Let's uh, slide it over to Elias Lindholm. Some strong moments from him on this road trip that uh, just finished up in Colorado on Saturday. Looks like he's finding some chemistry with his uh, line mate Sharon Govich and Manji Apani. What are his thoughts ahead of tonight's matchup against the Vegas Golden Knights? Well, I speak of just um, you know, kind of a thought on the, on the power play. On the, on the, sorry, a little thought on the, on the road trip and just sort of where you guys come up from. And obviously, uh, four of a possible eight points, but maybe just the feeling of it as you, as you come back. Yeah, it was a tough road trip. Uh, played some good teams and, and obviously uh, came back uh, 500. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I would like to, to, to have another win, but, uh, uh, you know, we knew it was going to be tough. So, uh, we'll get ready here for, for Vegas tonight. How much does the group look forward to having some extended time here at home starting tonight and an opportunity to maybe make some No, it'll be good. You know, uh, obviously it's been. It's been uh, uh, tough schedule for us, but uh, I mean, it's it's always nice to be home, um, especially for a little uh, stint there and, and play a couple of games and, and play in front of our fans. So it's uh, it'll be good. What's uh, what maybe does the power play have to do differently to, to start clicking or getting on a roll? Uh, just uh, keep it simple, um, you know. Uh, pucks to the net and retrieve and, and do it over again. I think uh, right now we're. Uh, yeah, I don't have a good answer for what we're doing, but uh, uh, we, we're, we're not on the same page, that's for sure. Is it a struggle with grasping concepts? Is it something else? Like, why has there been this struggle with the power play as a play? I think, uh, you know, when things are not going our way, we're, we're you know, we're trying too much and, and, you know, everyone wants to do well, but... Uh, you know, uh, it's tough when everyone is not on the same page and, and guys start doing, you know, their own thing, kind of. Do you, uh, do you find that there's something building with you in your line right now with Yegor and Anna? Do you feel like there's some chemistry building up between the two? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, obviously the Dallas game was uh, we're playing pretty well and, and uh, uh, Karate game where we had some chances to, to put the puck in the net. But uh, yeah, I played with Manch for 
for a majority of the season here and, and uh, know him since way back and, and obviously Jaeger is a skilled player a lot of speed and uh, it's a nice shot so um, uh, right now we're, we're yeah I think we're starting building something and hopefully it can continue How easy is it as a center when you know for the most part your line mates are going to be the same how how easy is that for you then? It obviously helps uh, I mean uh, right now I've been playing for with match for uh, like I said, the majority of the season, and and uh, that side has been a little uh, different guys, uh, kind of all, all the time. So hopefully now we can stick together and have the same one. You guys have mentioned keeping things simple on the offense before, and at least since you guys have said that, at least at five on five, you start to see more success. When you guys are out there at five on five, whether in the offensive zone or in transition plays, what's the thought process, or what? How are you guys feeling in that part of the ice compared to maybe some of the thinking you have to do on the power play? Yeah, I think we're just gonna bring the five-on-five mentality to to the power play, and you know, right now we're, um, you know, just like keep it simple, get to get some shots on net and retrieve and and do it over, all over again. I think uh, uh, five-on-five we're fine. Uh, you know, uh, this league is, is tough to win in, and especially if you are your power player and you know not scoring any goals and not giving any momentum. So right now we're we gotta fix that. Place for Alliance Lindholm. Said to be on that line with Yegor Sharon Govich and Andrew Mangiapane for Monday's matchup against the Vegas Golden Knights as we continue to look into the Flames locker room on a game day. One more player to hear from uh, following media availability, Nazem Kadri. He's been, of course, a key part of the Flames attack lately. That uh, line with uh, Nazem Kadri, Connor Zary, Martin Pospisil, been a huge positive for this Flames team. They look to keep that rolling into Monday's matchup against Vegas. Let's get Kadri's thoughts on a game day against the Golden Knights. That's just a, a word just on, on for an extended period of time now. And, you know, an opportunity to, to kind of make some hay here yeah. in front of the home fans. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it'd be nice to, you know, unpack the suitcase and just, uh, you know, stay at home for a couple weeks for sure. So, um, you know, obviously important games for us. We want to take advantage of home ice and uh, starts tonight. What's, uh, what have you liked about the game, the team's game so far? You are in that hunt for that wild card spot. What do you feel like you've done recently well of late? Uh, giving ourselves a chance. That's something I'm um, I'm certainly proud of. So, uh, you know, we got to continue to, to um, you know, put one foot in front of the other. And I think we're doing a good job at that, you know, being obviously resilient, coming back in games. Uh, I'd like to see uh, our starts be a little bit better, maybe get the first one or two goals. But, you know, other than that, I think we played pretty complete games and we're looking for more of that. Do you, do you feel like you've sold into, you, you've got these two rookies on your side and we've asked you about a bunch, but just that veteran presence and the fact that your line has been together for quite a while now, how do you feel about that? Yeah, of course. I mean, obviously, uh, I think as line combinations go in general, I mean, the more you play together, I think the the better the outcome is going to be. I mean, that's the challenge is uh, kind of being being consistent, which we which we have been. So, uh, you know, I just continue to stress it to those guys to, uh, you know, every single day is going to be a grind. And, uh, and that's the type of mentality you have to have. In terms of power play, what do you think has to change in that regard to get that going? I uh, just got to start shooting the puck. I think take some more opportunities. I think, uh, you know, sometimes we're, you know, looking for uh, too much of a perfect play and it gets a little scrambly. So, you know, we're going to look to simplify. And, um, you know, it's not uncommon for power plays to, to go hot or to go cold either direction. So uh, we're looking to bounce back and hopefully get one tonight. What's the key to you, you all getting into sync and, and knowing where each other is on that man advantage and maybe not spending as much time regrouping and, yeah. and things like yeah, that? Yeah, I think uh, just being set and organized, I mean, that's uh, that's crucial. Just obviously, uh, you know, we've had some meetings. We're going to be prepared. So I think, uh, you know, when everybody's kind of pulling on the same rope on the same page and everybody knows exactly what they, uh, you know, what they have to do, I think it uh, comes together a little bit better. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll improve. 
Has it been easier for you to keep things simple at 5-on-5, five five? and can you describe what the thought process is like when you're able to play the game at that speed at 5-on-5 five mm. five compared to playing on the power play? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, uh, you know, one, one comes with the other. Maybe we got to, you know, approach the power play a little bit similar to 5-on-5, to five five and um, that is playing with a lot of speed and guys, uh, you know, just being connected. I think that's really what it comes down to is everybody kind of being on the same page, five guys uh, being predictable to each other, and, uh, you know, that will certainly help. That's Kadri on a game day, Flames and Golden Knights. Again, 6.30 Flames warm-up with Pat Steinberg tonight. He'll take you up to 7.30 for puck drop with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, of course, Connor Zeri, been a big part of that line with Kadri. And Pospisil, he is one point away from becoming the first Flames rookie with 10 points in a calendar month since Matthew Kachuk who had 10 points in 12 February games back in 2017 since making his NHL debut on November 1st. He is second in points among rookies behind only Connor Bedard of the Chicago Blackhawks, who has 11 to Zary's nine. So it'd be pretty cool for Connor Zary if he's able to get a point in either tonight's game against Vegas or against Dallas on Thursday before the calendar month of November wraps up. He'd be the first Flames rookie with 10 points in a calendar month since Matthew Kachuk put up 10 points in 12 February games back in his rookie season in 2017. I mentioned the Golden Knights coming in. Obviously uh, a big season for them defending their Stanley Cup championship. 14-5-2, their record heading into Monday night's matchup. They were coming off of an 11-0-1 stretch, their first 12 games. They've got a little bit sideways since then. Their last nine, a 3-5-1 record. Their goals per uh, per game has gone down quite a bit, and their goal differential is actually into the negative these last nine games. So still a tough opponent for the Calgary Flames, but uh, maybe not the same juggernaut that started the season on that 12-game point streak uh, in the Vegas Golden Knights. We will take a break. We will talk more about the Golden Knights a little bit later with Ken Belke from Sinbin Vegas. He'll join us for a look at the opposition. But when we come back, it was another busy NFL Sunday We'll take a look uh, around the NFL with our pal Emily Sadler from Sportsnet.ca. We have a coach fired in Carolina, didn't make it through his first season, coaching the first overall pick and the top quarterback taken in last year's draft. We'll talk to her about Frank Reich's dismissal in Carolina, and we'll get you more on the Flames and the Golden Knights. It's a game day. Keep it locked right here on Sportsnet today on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Week 12 of the NFL season wraps up tonight. It's Monday night football between the Bears and the Vikings. Minnesota 6-5, and five, staying in the playoff race with Josh Dobbs at quarterback. The Bears at 3-8, and eight, still evaluating the future of Justin Fields. 6-15 kickoff from Minnesota tonight. Welcome back to the program. It's Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon along with you. Of course, a Flames game day. We'll get more into that as the afternoon rolls on. But it is a Monday. That means it's time to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Checking with our pal Emily Sadler from Sportsnet.ca to chat all things NFL. Happy Monday, Emily. How are you? I'm good, Logan. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Uh, NFL week wraps up on uh, Monday night. Packers, or excuse me, Vikings and the Bears. Uh, but we've got news to talk about. The Carolina Panthers fired their head coach this morning, Frank Reich. Uh, they are 1-10 to start the season. 
Uh, he doesn't even make it through his first season in Carolina, and uh, a lot of it being pinned on the fact that number one overall pick Bryce Young has not appeared to look comfortable in this system. Uh, 29th in scoring offense, 30th in total offense, 29th in rushing offense. How surprised were you to see the news that uh, Frank Reich was let go in Carolina today? Yeah, I'm I'm both surprised and not. Like you you like to hope that a coach gets a little longer of a leash, right? Like we know what Frank Reich is about. He's got a pretty good track record. So to see him not even be able to make it through his first season at the helm is um yeah, is is unexpected. At the same time though, when you're 1 in 10 and you need to shake things up, it's sort of like that's your only option, right? When you look at Bryce Young, like he's not playing well, but they're not just going to go out and replace him, right? They just spent all this draft capital on um, selecting him number one overall. So it, it makes sense in that in that way that you're going to opt for the coach. But it's just an unfortunate situation all around because to a certain point, like the coach is just going to work with the ingredients that you give him. And like, what is he working with in Carolina? So I um, maybe we will see a, a, a very changed team next week, but I, I don't I don't have high hopes that they're going to, you know, have any kind of turnaround here without him. It just feels like it makes a messy situation even messier. Yeah, it's a good point. And it's one that you and me have talked about on this show before, talking about Carolina and the fact that Adam Schefter of ESPN tweeted this out earlier. Uh, they're still set to be paying for that Bryce Young draft pick. Uh, right now, of course, that first round pick belongs to Chicago. It's currently slated to be the first overall pick. Oh, and they gave away a 2025 second rounder as well. Those are key pieces that can build around a young quarterback. And for Carolina to be missing any of those, like you mentioned, already a team that I don't think has a ton of talent. It only gets harder for whoever comes in next missing those draft picks. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a, well, what did you guys expect was going to happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> like they were obviously expecting Bryce Young to be the guy and a real difference maker. But I, I don't know if you kind of pay attention to some of the rumblings online and just from various people that they're saying is, I don't know that Bryce Young was the guy that uh, Frank Reich even really wanted in the first place. Like it just seems like it's been a bad fit overall. Um, yeah, and as I said, just a really messy situation like I don't know where this team is going. And I, I feel for Bryce Young, to be honest. Like, of course, I feel for Frank Reich. But at the same time, Bryce Young, like, all of these expectations, but none of the support really put around him. So, of course, not being in the room, like, you don't know what's going on. And maybe there will be um, a, a bit of a turnaround, at least in morale. But, yeah, it's hard to see this really going forward in a constructive way. Yeah, good luck to whoever's next there. Uh, that's going to be a tough one. I feel for yeah. them because you're right. There's just, there's not a lot of positives right now. And then you say, Oh, well be great. At least you're having a bad season. You get that next high draft pick and you don't even have that exactly. in Carolina right now. So exactly. uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, checking out the week 13 schedule. The Panthers are set to take on Tampa Bay in a divisional matchup. So we'll get our first look at them post Frank Reich this season, but going back to Sunday, uh, lots of fun storylines to dive into and easily the game of the week in Philly, uh, the great Kelly green jerseys were back for the Eagles. They were soaked in Philly, but they didn't stop the fans from going out and seeing uh, a great back and forth victory. Uh, and I loved uh, the guys on the broadcast, Tony Romo and Jim Nance going on about it because it was what Jim Nance said to me. That was the difference between these two teams. Emily, and I'm curious if you agree 
the Eagles just have that it factor. Like Jalen Hurts yeah. has that it factor that they can be down at halftime, they can be down in the fourth quarter and need to go into a shootout, and you're just you're just never concerned because this team just has whatever it is that makes them a really really tough team to beat. Absolutely. Like I could not agree more. And and it's funny because in so many ways, like in football in general, right? Like you always want to look at, okay, why is something happening? Like, let's look at um, their track record. Let's look at the stats, look at some numbers. Like you want to be able to actually just explain it away in a logical way, but sometimes it is just like it. Right. And, and I don't know about you, but like, I just didn't have a doubt once the once it got to overtime after that crazy crazy rainy kick <laughs> to tie the game and force overtime like there was just not really much doubt in my mind that the Eagles were going to pull it out I don't know if you saw there was a clip that went around after the game and it was like such, it so perfectly encapsulated like that sort of it factor of the Eagles and the belief that they can win um, it was during the coin toss so the Bills win the coin toss Gabe Davis indicates Buffalo wants to receive the ball and Brandon Graham just basically said, doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it, and it didn't, right? Like, the, he just knew that their defense could make a stop um, and then knew that the Eagles would, would come away with the win. And I think that's the difference. Like, you look at there are so many potential kind of turning points in this game. Like, we had a blocked field goal in regulation. You have the missed horse collar call by the ref on Josh Allen. Kind of a miscommunication with Gabe Davis there in overtime. But in the end, it was just like, who can make the last play? Like who can make a stop? And the Bills could not make that stop. They also just didn't sort of, you know, settling for a field goal. I know there's a lot involved. It's not like it's easy to get a touchdown against the Eagles, but they just didn't have that like extra push that we just see from the Eagles time and time again. There's just like a belief on this team that they can do it. Like doesn't matter if the weather's terrible. Doesn't matter if we're losing um, as the minutes wind down, like, they're going to win. Yeah, I like how you say that because the clip that comes to mind for me was they showed a, a side side on Twitter of Jake Elliott hitting that field goal with whatever it was, like 20 seconds left, and they have um, Jalen Hurts reacting on the bench, and he literally has no reaction. He's just sitting there with his jacket on, and he's just like, yeah, I, I figured he was going to hit the field goal. Let's get ready yeah. for overtime, and let's go do this. They just they continue to have that mentality, and I'm like, you guys just went out and scored like – 14 points in the fourth quarter. I thought you guys would be, if it was me, I'd be jumping up and down thinking we're going to overtime. But for Jalen Hurts, it's like, yeah, we got more work to do. We're not even done here. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the going to overtime would feel like the victory, right? Like, wow, I can't believe like we pushed it to overtime. What an unlikely field goal that was, but nope, it's just kind of business as usual. And, and there's just, yeah, to have, to see that confidence like play out in real time. It, it's really neat to see because as we've talked about this Eagles team, like so much of it is the same as last year, but there's a lot of differences too. Just like, you know, we've talked about maybe the offense isn't always clicking the same way, or they've had these injuries on defense and yet they still just, when it actually matters the most, like they just get it done. Um, And it would be, I don't know what has to kind of happen for the bills to have that same thing. I mean, obviously, (laughs) some wins would be good but <laughs> at the same time like we've how many times have we talked about like okay was this was this the game the bills won and this was their statement and now they're back or this like it's just they're so inconsistent um that we still like we know who the eagles are like we don't really ultimately know 
who the Bills are in so many ways. And personally, I'm grateful that they're heading into the bye week. I feel like they have been exhausted since week six. Yeah. They need a break. We need a break from the Bills, honestly. <laughs> like It's just like this mutual thing where let's just all take a step back, just go take a week. We won't even talk about you as if that's going to happen. But it's just one of those, like, go rest up, come back, and let's see what you can do. Yeah, I feel that 100%. That's just based on how much you and me have talked about because there's something every week, right? And with Josh Allen, it's been up and down performances. And you look at the playoff picture today, and they're sitting outside the playoff picture at 6-6. Six and yeah. six, And here's the Texans and the Colts. And we'll get to the Broncos in a minute. It's like, this isn't all of a sudden a guarantee that this team even makes the playoffs. Uh, and it's got to be an uneasy feeling for a Bills team that, at the beginning of the season, I probably would have said we're a shoe-in in an expanded playoff to get a spot this year. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, when you kind of do take that step back and, like, look at their – just look at the season so far. Like, they haven't won back-to-back games since they started the season three and one. Like, it's just been so back and forth. And then even when you look at – like, there's kind of two ways of looking at some of their of their wins, right? Five of their six – five of their six wins have been blowouts and then, and then all six of their losses, I think have been these one score games and even there's two overtime losses. And so you can look at it, you can look at that and say, well, they're not getting blown out. They're staying in games, but it just keeps coming down to this it factor that we've been talking about where like, they just can't close it out and that's what they need. And even yesterday, like Josh Allen was great. He had yep. a great game. It's just always sort of a different reason and I I know we can talk a lot about injuries on defense but at this point of the season you kind of just have to stop pointing to that which is maybe unfair but um, yeah there's just it's just that it factor I just want them to pull out that big statement win we just haven't really really seen it yet yeah it certainly feels like that's missing from this group and how much uh, a big confidence booster it would have been into for them to go into Philly and, and take down a team like that and it could have been a turning point in their season. Now I think we're coming off, like you mentioned, into a bye week for them, and we're kind of left with more questions than answers uh, about the Buffalo yeah. Bills. And one of the teams that's making life really difficult on them because uh, I mentioned them in the playoff mix. Uh, doesn't week three feel like so long ago if you're a Denver Broncos fan when the Miami Dolphins put up 70 points on you and we thought Sean Payton was somehow the worst coaching hire this team ever could have done, and now they've reeled off five in a row, including win over Buffalo a couple of weeks ago and are setting up a massive game with Houston next week as both of these teams try to battle for an AFC playoff spot. Yeah, it's it's so wild, right? It's such a lesson in patience, I think, like especially at the beginning of the season when everyone's just like, every win is so important and you realize <laughs> like, okay, we're, we're still like just very much learning about these teams. Um, but it, it's so fascinating to like, you know, just even jumping from Bills to Broncos, like these are both six win teams. And yet we are talking about them so drastically differently. Um, it's just sort of like what a difference expectations can make. Right. And, yeah. and a little bit of momentum. Um, yeah. The, the Broncos, I, on the one hand, it's like, okay, yeah, we're not going to let them forget about that 70 point loss because that was horrendous but yeah it has definitely skewed like even like through the start of this win streak that they're still riding it 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 made it sort of hid that 
those good underlying numbers defensively, and now you look at them, and they've been just really, really impressive, and, and they just continue to improve. Like, over the course of this win streak, the defense is allowing fewer yards consistently each game, fewer points, I think, consistently each game. And, and then on offense, what we're seeing is this, like, we all love the like let Russ cook, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then and then there were and then there was the memes last year about like ooh this is Russ cooking and it would be like a, a bowl of Cheerios with like bologna on top or something. <laughs> yeah. Except now it's like okay we've kind of reached this like happy medium where it's like yeah let Russ cook but except now it's like one of those like pre that meal kits that arrives at your door like yeah. here are your ingredients <laughs> you are not to go off page like sean Dayton is bringing this to russell Wilson's door no more no less no leftovers like just keep it clean um so it's like you can cook maybe you can add the odd side dish like a nice pass to Cortland sutton say um but otherwise it's like we are running first <laughs> we are going to hammer that home and it's working right even Russell Wilson got in on the rushing action. It was great to see him run the ball in for his first rushing, t- rushing touchdown of the season. Um, so it's just, it's, it's this weird, like, okay, are we letting Russ cook? Or like, are we, is, is he just, I think he's just the ultimate game manager at this point. And obviously that's working for them. And yeah, as you said, this is just a fascinating team to watch down the stretch. And especially next week against the Texans, like who would have thought we'd be talking about, the Texans and the Broncos as like a must watch game, but here we are. Yeah, definitely wouldn't have been me, especially after that, that loss to Miami. And you make such a good point about Russell Wilson because you look at yesterday 13 of 22, 134 yards, one touchdown. That's usually not enough to get it done in the NFL. Like, I mean, that's right around 55% completion rate. You've only scored one touchdown through the air. Like, it's not great, but. You're right. He's just managing the game. He's not turning the ball over as much as he did last year. And he's just kind of letting them do what they do well. And they've got three at least good running backs that they turn to on a on a weekly basis. And it, it is interesting that Sean Payton influence of, you know, here's how we're going to get there. And mm-hmm. if you stick to this, we can win football games. And if you're Russell Wilson, yeah, you're not passing for 300 yards. But I guarantee winning last night against Cleveland feels a lot better than it did losing by 50 to Miami in week three, doing it how you wanted to do it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's as I said, like a lesson in patience and also just a lesson in um, evolution of a quarterback. It's, it's only natural for, like, as an athlete goes through, goes through their career, like, you're going to change and you have to be accepting of that change. And I think it's great to see, like, obviously Russell Wilson, he's bought into this and it's working. The whole team has bought in. And so, um, yeah, I mean, what a story. Like, I thought that the Vikings were going to be the story of the season <laughs> in terms of the hot team. And here we were talking about the Broncos, the Texans. Like, yeah, what what else is going to come down the stretch? Uh, she's Emily Sadler from Sportsnet.ca. She joins us every Monday here on Sportsnet Today to chat all things uh, from the previous NFL week. Uh, we're getting set to uh, head into closer to the playoff picture week 13 right around the corner, and uh, as we talk about the playoff picture and starting to clear some teams out here, Emily, it's unbelievable to me. We've talked about the Texans a lot and C.J. Stroud, and obviously I think it's a great story. Tough loss for them against Jacksonville, but still at 6-5 and five, right around this playoff picture, and you know it doesn't seem inconceivable right now that we could be talking about three AFC South teams in the postseason. Jacksonville's 8-3, and three, the Colts are right there at six and five with the Texans, and 
knowing that Anthony Richardson went down, knowing that C.J. Stroud uh, is having this unbelievable season, it would be pretty cool to see uh, a couple of teams that we didn't expect maybe work their way into this playoff conversation. Yeah, like when we talked about, and generally when we have been talking about the strength of the AFC and how it's like, oh man, that's going to be such a crowded wildcard race. Like I was talking about the other three divisions. Like yep. I was not talking about the <laughs> AFC South at all. Like it was like, okay, well, you know that you're probably going to have the Jaguars in just kind of by default. And then, you know, you're kind of making your predictions based on the other three divisions. So this is, yeah, honestly, stunning to see. And I think the team is, it's funny how quickly you kind of adapt to how, how well a team is doing. Like now I'm like, okay, so the Texans are good. This is great. The team that's surprising me the most is the Colts. Like, do you know when you have just sort of this, this idea of a team that no matter what they do, you just sort of keep that notion of them. I do it with some players too, where like maybe you drafted them really high in a fantasy league and then they totally plummet but you keep drafting them each year because you're yep. like, no, he's good. I remember that he was good that one season. For me, the Colts, I have that with them that like, no, they're kind of boring. But look at them in the in the not the wild card race in in the playoff picture right now, yeah. and they're just they're doing they're doing a lot of great things. And and you know Gardner Minshew once again playing like a cult hero. <laughs> Colts defense is surprisingly good. Um, they. Yeah, I think they're tied for the third most interceptions in the league. Jonathan Taylor is really starting to click. And so that to me is just sort of this stunning development of we really could have three AFC South teams. And I wish that the NFC South would like take some notes <laughs> because it is possible. Like you can have more than one relevant team at a time. Like you can do it. I think uh, yesterday's game between the Jaguars and Texans was such a good and like honestly just fun example of like what this division could be right when you have these young quarterbacks I really hope that Anthony Richardson is able to come back super healthy um, in a great position to succeed next year so that like things are going to get really interesting and I think that's the first time that we can kind of say that about this division right I was kind of looking back at like Texans Jaguars has been like a rivalry only only by default of being in the same division and now I think we can actually maybe call it like a real rivalry for, for the next decade to come. So it should be pretty fun. Yeah, really. Until Trevor Lawrence came around a couple of years ago, it was it was really just the Colts in this mix for a while. I mean, I guess Tennessee had a couple of interesting years with the Tannehill, Derrick Henry thing that's fallen off. I mean, it kind of feels like going back to like Andrew Luck's time uh, in yeah, Indy that the last time we were kind of excited about anybody in that division. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it's just really interesting to see them kind of progress and to see like the Colts. I, I was, I know I was curious kind of preseason, like how they would sort of um, how they could maybe set up Anthony Richardson to succeed. And then of course him going down so early in the year, I just sort of, as I said, it kind of like wrote them off like, well, no, yeah. I guess we can forget about the Colts, but yeah, here they are um, winning record and, and, maybe rising and so it'll be really interesting to kind of see how it plays out um yeah just just kind of an unexpected development and I think with the Jaguars um I guess the only the only thing with this division I think we can say with confidence like they're probably running away with it um after that win against the Texans but and I think the question for me will just kind of be like okay well how far can the Jaguars 
go. Like here yeah. they are challenging for the top spot in the conference. If you think about last year, this was kind of around the time that they really um, started getting really hot. So it'd be kind of interesting to see, you know, the story within the story there, like how many AFC South teams we're going to get in the playoff picture. And also like, how are the Jaguars going to like, will we kind of accept them as like, yes, they really are one of the top teams in the whole conference. Uh, last but certainly not least, Monday Night Football and NFC North rivalry, Bears and Vikings. Uh, what are you looking for tonight uh, as we finish off Week 12? Yeah, definitely. These are two two teams that kind of need a rebound, but in different ways, right? Yeah. <laughs> For the Vikings, like, you want to stay relevant in that playoff conversation. They're in a playoff spot right now. Um just for like the high stakes drama, I want to see the Vikings win and kind of keep pace with the Lions because two of their final games are against Detroit, and that would just be the ultimate showdown, right, for the for the division title there. Um, so it's kind of like a, a team playing against a, just a player on the Bears, right? Like I want Justin Fields to succeed. Um, he's probably playing for his next contract with a different team at this point. I don't know if you're a Bears fan, like. Do you want do you want Chicago to win? Really, honestly, like at this point, I think we're kind of just barreling towards the draft. Um, but for Fields, he's got a lot to prove. He had a personally had a really good game last uh, last week. Obviously, they kind of fumbled that one away, but it was one of those like win within a loss type situations. And maybe we'll have another one of those tonight. So it should be there's there's kind of like different kinds of storylines, different stakes, I think, in this one. 100 uh, percent. Emily Sadler with us. Her uh, NFL Week 12 takeaways are up at Sportsnet.ca. Highly recommend you go take a read of that as we get set for Monday Night Football tonight, kicking off uh, ending off Week 12, excuse me, with the Vikings and the Bears. Thanks as always for your time, Emily. Great stuff. Appreciate it. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Bye now. Emily Sadler joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline from Sportsnet.ca. Once again, her Week 12 takeaways up at Sportsnet.ca following a busy week of NFL football, of course, with U.S. Thanksgiving. We had games going back all the way to Thursday and Friday last week, and uh, we'll have the Bears and Vikings to close it out tonight. Thursday night football later this week, Seahawks at the Dallas Cowboys. We will take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Continue to get you set for a Flames game day, 6.30 Flames warm-up with the one and only Pat Steinberg. 7.30, Megan Mickelson, Derek Wills on the call. Flames and Golden Knights for the first time this season. Let's take a look at the Golden Knights next. Our look at the opposition with Ken Belke from Sinbin Vegas. It's next when we kick off Hour 2, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.